1: Friends, fans, and foes. It's time once again for Never Sleeps Network's Talking Wrestling, and I'm your host Casey Corbin. Thank you for joining us today on the podcast. But before we get to the podcast, you know what we got to do? We got to hit. We got to get you to hit us up on all those social media outlets. So we'll say it with us on the Twitter. We are at T N W Pod on uh, Instagram. We are at uh, Talking Wrestling Podcast on Instagram. On Facebook, we are Talking Wrestling uh on the uh, spotify check out the Tag and wrestling podcast and we're on there maybe put us on a list or give us a heart uh if you were on itunes rate review subscribe give us a five star rating and a favorable review and we will send you a postcard if we find your rating or your review uh, if you send us a review Send us an email giving us a heads up that there's a review coming. So go to talkingwrestling@gmail.com at gmail.com and send us that email and we can get your address and we can send you a postcard from 1983 of a wrestler of your choice. Ric Flair, still available. Kerry Von Erick, still available. Kevin Von Erich still available. Jerry Lawler, still available. February 14th coming up soon. You know what you're going to need? Valentine's Day card. Why not Greg the Hammer Valentine postcard? Get that one. It's still available. So many more are available still. So get those ratings in. Uh, America, you guys are doing great. You guys got like 15 ratings on my iTunes. Thank you very much. Canada, not so great. There's only like six or seven. There used to be like 15, but for some reason... Half of them have disappeared. I don't know what Canada is doing with their iTunes and where the reviews are going, but they have disappeared and they're gone. So anyways, with that said, uh, we got a great episode for you today. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. The uh, guest is a previous guest. He was on the show two years ago. However, it's two years later and uh, we got him back because he's so damn entertaining. The one and only RJ City is with us today, and we're going to go to that interview right now. So, Casey Corbin, uh, take it away uh, with today's guest, RJ City. All right, here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, with me at this time, I am very lucky to have, uh, well on the phone with me because we're in quarantine time so six feet away and a little bit more the one the only rj city how are you welcome back to talking wrestling
0: but even on a good day casey even if if this was three years ago i think Generally speaking, I would have maintained at least a six-foot different uh, distance from each other. Do you know what I'm saying?
1: Oh, yeah. When we're in a studio, we have that nice table where we each have the face shields on them and the microphones. Yeah. Yeah, yeah of course. Of course. It's best.
0: You're, to- you're a spit-talker.
1: Yes. Spit talker
0: I sometimes need to clear my throat. These are just, you know, social precautions that we were taking anyway. So in many ways, this new world is tailored just for us.
1: There's nothing worse than seeing, or maybe it's different in your business, but there's nothing worse than in my business when I'm on stage, and I'm telling jokes, and I see a particle fly out of my mouth, and then I just see it go off into the audience, and I'm like, I don't know who that hit, but I don't feel good about that, you know, as you're still telling your jokes.
0: Yeah, but it's that real three-dimensional performance, and then you get a, this is all on stage. Yeah. You know? I do have a confession to make. I hope this is okay. I was doing, I fell down a wormhole last week uh, before we set up this interview, so it's quite fortuitous. I saw, you. I watched on YouTube, your appearance on Comedy at Club 54.
1: Oh, boy. Could you notice the anger in my face when they said my name incorrectly?
0: (laughs) Yes, but I also didn't expect anything else from Ben Gaia. I felt like that was kind of his thing. He would just glance at the name.
1: You oh know? yes, yes, and he's like, uh, he's uh, the the funny thing about that tape is that came out in two thousand and one, and he dubbed me the blue collar comic, and uh, and this was before there was Larry the Cable Guy was even doing any cable shtick at all, and right. so I before the blue collar comedy tour. I apparently was the blue collar comic in Canada, and uh, I've never looked into any uh, legal legalities of it all. But uh, I'm wondering, I'm you know that tour made a lot of money, and uh, and it sort of set the genesis for every other, the kings of comedy and the queens of comedy and all these other comedy tours that went around all started with the blue collar comedy tour, but yet I was the first blue collar comic. No, I'm, it's just crazy the way Ben Ben, ben Guy goes. He said to me before I went on, "How do you describe your comedy?" And I said, "I don't know, blue collar." All right, he's the blue collar comic. So that was it. And then he messed up my name, and uh, it's just the anger in my face as it pans to me as I'm walking up the aisle, <laughs> and, and I'm biting my lip, you know. And then I had a great set, but aside from that, um, the the no matter it like we taped that in two thousand and one. And it looks like it's from
0: 1991. Well, that's the quality of the Hamilton camera crew and
1: technology. You know what I mean? They were—they always.
0: I think everything you film in Hamilton has like a yellow film over it.
1: Oh yeah, you weren't allowed to mention that it was being taped in Hamilton because they wanted to give the illusion that it was like big Toronto, but yet all the beginning was taped but in Niagara Falls.
0: Wearing like a, a tie cap sweater in the front row.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, or, or 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 yeah, or a lot of roots t-shirts and stuff like that, like a lot of Canadian wear. So it just looked like a super Canadian show, and I got uh, five hundred dollars. And I know to this day it's aired over fifty times. I know that for sure. So you know, um, I don't work with Band Guy very much anymore. But that was my first TV appearance. So. At least on uh, doing stand up, so that's uh, I'm pretty happy with that. So
0: and look at you now, and now you're talking to me. That's what I call a real upward trajectory.
1: It is, it is, because it's yeah. fun to get caught in wormholes. Also uh, on YouTube, uh, you sent me off on one when I was listening. First of all, I wanted to say how great you are on on Stone Cold Steve Austin's podcast. Uh, oh, thank you. And I know it was kind of a run-in, like it was David Arquette's issue or episode, but I really thought you stole the show, as RJ City does, and um, and it was very good. And the most interesting thing I, I, I you said on it to me was uh, Nick Bockwinkle was on an episode of, what was it? He was a contestant on...
0: Uh, Hollywood Squares. Hollywood Squares,
1: Yes. And he doesn't even have his blonde hair. He's just like, it looks like he's fresh out of college and he's got brown hair. And it's like, holy shit, that is Nick Bockwinkle. Like, that's so awesome to...
0: Yeah, because he was up like a fluffy youngster. He was in real, I don't know if his rookie year, but he's certainly very green. And his father was a wrestler, a Warren Bockwinkle. So he was just coming up in the ranks. And he's very earnest. Yeah. In his appearance.
1: Well, I've always been a big AWA guy. Like, I always defend AWA uh, wrestling because I watched a lot of it we didn't get a lot of southern like NWA wrestling up here when it was going on like back in the 80s but AWA was on TSN and they did a lot of shows at Winnipeg and so I you know I love and also through Montreal the Montreal uh, uh, territory they, they used a lot of AWA guys as well shared a lot of talent so yeah I saw a lot, like, I was a big AWA guy, like, you know, I know it was Hogan and Flair, and then Rick Martel, and there's a bit of a little bit, a bit of a drop, but I maintain that Rick Martel is a great champion, and that roster they had, like, in 82, 83, uh, was two-thirds WWE by 84. So, yeah. you know, it's like, don't tell me it wasn't good, you know, like, last night I watched the Road Warriors uh, wrestle a 25-minute match, against the high flyers and i'm just like how like my least favorite wrestler might be greg gagne um because he is just you know now there's nothing i have nothing against thin wrestlers you're rather thin zach saber jr's thin but you guys are creative people Uh, greg gagne to me is your typical booker's son you know like he, he's not that great of a wrestler. He, it doesn't look like he should be beating up the road warriors at any point in his life, but here he is beating up the road warriors and they're making it believable. And, uh, that's to me shows how great the road warriors are. But, um, right. But I, anyways, all this started with Nick Bockwinkle. Nick Bockwinkle is one of the greatest AWA champs of all time. And he carried himself with such dignity with the championship. And, uh, and he was always dressed. He was super classy as a champ. And, you know, whereas Ric Flair was dressed super classy, he always talked trash. Whereas, you know, Bachwinkle was more of an elegant champ. And uh, he talked trash as well. It was just in longer speeches. And you probably needed a dictionary to understand what he was saying. Right. So. Which is
0: wonderful, and I will also say, looking back, and I do, obviously, it was out of my age range, even though I have been in negotiations with Vern about going to Minnesota and signing with the AWA for quite a while, yes. I've been looking back, and you look back on the matches, and I really think the Bockwinkle, Kurt Hennig feud and matches are really, really, really a template for the classic Bret Hart, Mr. Perfect matches from SummerSlam and King of the Ring and that whole style, and I think... Bach Winkle ultimately does not get the credit he deserves because he's perhaps not as flashy or flamboyant as a Ric Flair or a Randy Savage. And I think he's one of those acquired tastes. He's a little more, and not to say that Ric Flair is stupid, that's not what I'm saying, but uh, Nick, ha- Nick Bockwinkle has a little more of a, a refined intelligence in his work and his promo. I,
1: I agree 100% and you look at the, the matches that he had with Hogan uh Hulk Hogan against uh, at the end of his run you know um it, it, anybody with Bobby the Brain Heenan in their corner I'm a fan of I just yeah. will say that right now you know and it was always it was always great that you know it's too bad that you know uh Bobby left you know and Nick went I don't even know what happened to Nick Bockwinkel after that era to be honest I can't remember how much longer he stayed around or if he just sort of Well left. he
0: wrestled he wrestled for the NBA for a really long time, first of all. And then he ended up, I think, becoming a commissioner for WCW in like a weird role where I think they just wanted him around. He he was a nice looking guy to present belts. He was a lot more handsome than Jack Tunney, I will do that. Yes,
1: yeah. You know, and you have to have someone handsome to to present belts, I think, uh is, uh, uh, you know, belts. Uh, you deserve the dignity. That's why AEW brought in uh, <laughs> d- dignity. And then I say, Mike Tyson. Uh, yeah, because t- when you think of,
0: ref- I don't think I've ever seen Mike
1: Tyson wear a suit. I uh, <laughs> I think the, the 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 new AEW TNT belt. That's a lot. That's one. That's that's too many acronyms in one uh, acronym. But um. It might be the the cheapest-looking belt I've seen. It looks like a plastic belt from a toy store. It literally... Well, the TNT title. Yeah. That Cody and, has. Well,
0: I'm, you know, ardently awaiting to be the inaugural PBS champion. And I think I've, I've been throwing my hat into that ring for a number of years. So hopefully that'll get formalized. I've made a couple calls to WNEG in Buffalo, serving Western New York and Southern Ontario. And uh, we'll see what's up their sleeve.
1: Well... I think, uh, you know, if the if the people want it, they have to call in and make it happen. And if they could call in this number, 1-800-WNPE-Watertown, uh, uh, yeah. they can help make this happen, too. I was watching a great documentary or a great concert in excess just the other night on PBS. And I was thinking, you know what this channel needs? RJ City. Very easily. I think so. Yes.
0: You know, me and uh, David Arquette, one of our sick, perverted dreams was that we wanted to host a PBS pledge Drive telethon. And I contacted my local PBS, the one in that Buffalo, Toronto one here. And I went, I think, up the chain, and I think it got to the head of the pledge Drive team. And then I never heard anything back. But we're trying L.A., we're trying Detroit. And I think it's, uh, look, we just really want to do it. We're not asking for any money. And I think we would be a formidable duo. And hopefully we'd be on in between, you know, the best of Victor Borga, that 23 DVD collection. I think that would be very exciting to do. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it, if and when.
1: Or maybe you could be on Sunday mornings after Ma and Pa Kettle, the uh, Ma and Pa Kettle telethon, I mean marathon that they're running. Or... Of course, they also run the the Three Stooges as well, which is fantastic as well. I grew I grew up on PBS. My that was my dad's Sunday morning channel. Like we watched PBS old black and white shows, and like I you know, oh my god it bothered the hell out of me. But I didn't know it was making me refined, you know. And, and now I know of all these things that you speak of because of my parents and paying attention, um, you know. Th- you know what I've been watching? So from Bachwinkle on the on the game show, you know where I ended up next? It seems like every wrestling organization has been on the Family Feud at some point. Yeah. And I've been watching a lot of wrestlers on Family Feud going up against other wrestlers. And, uh, you know, some of these wrestlers are horrible at Family Feud. And then some of them are actually quite good, which is kind of scary. But uh, mm-hmm. it really makes me happy to see how dumb some of the wrestlers are. Sting is smart. I will say that right now. He's very good at Family yeah. Feud. I, I, I was
0: impressed
1: with Jim Ross. I thought he would have done better. Yeah, I couldn't. Yeah, was, I know. I thought he could have done better, too. Uh, you know, uh, come on. Glow, they're not that smart, are they? I don't know. But uh, right. and
0: then of course, lest we forget the the wonderful WWF against the World Bodybuilding Federation episode of Family Feud.
1: Oh my God, that is crazy! Well, I was like, yeah, because you had a, people here are five people that everybody knows, and then yeah. here's Zack Ryder's dad, and uh, <laughs> here's this guy and this guy, and like I didn't know any of those bodybuilders, and uh, yeah, it's just. Insane. That whole ICO Pro, uh, ye- the ICO Pro years of WWE, uh, are very amusing to me. So, but um, that's crazy too. Now, are you having another Twitter feud with the former Zack Ryder? Is that what's going on these days? What are no? What is going I on?
0: Think, well, I think we're good friends ish. Um, <laughs> he was. We met a while ago while he was uh, still signed, and we went back and forth online about a variety of things. We sent each other. I did a video where I had a, uh, oh, uh, what's his name? The guy, Craig T. Nelson. I had a Craig T. Nelson 8 by 10 Yeah, from Coach. And he Coach. made a joke about, from Coach, autographed and certified. And he made a joke about wanting it. So I said, well, if he really wants it that badly, I'm going to surprise him and send it to his house. Yes. So, because he's a collector of, you know, many eccentric things
1: mm-hmm. and
0: he enjoyed it and he responded by sending me a Jerry Van Dyke autographed 8x10. Oh, wow. So, at, you know, at this point, we almost have the whole coach cap. Yeah. Um, so then he, of course, you know, would like has always wanted to be on Coffee and Underwear, my mm. little program there. Yes, but, of course. You know, you have to jump through a lot of hoops when you signed and a lot of people have to sign off on it. And it's probably not the best look to be sitting next to this man talking about Lawrence Welk in his brief. So uh, now that he was released, it allowed him the freedom to explore these creative opportunities. And I think within, within a week or two, we ended up doing the episode. It's on my YouTube. It's a uh, in-depth 40 minute chat. I officially welcome him to the indie scene and he sent me as I guess a A thank you, or a a way for him to spread his love of action figures. Sent me a little care package to my house. I have an old Steve Austin action figure and a Flash Funk. And I did an unboxing on my YouTube channel.
1: And you did an unboxing of Flash Funk?
0: Yeah. Now, the box, it came in that it was sent in. I didn't want to take it out of the box box. It gave me anxiety. Uh, I didn't want to ruin such a pristine package. However, I will tell you this. If he's not aware of it, but he'll find out soon enough. I sent a little package back to him. So if you want to call it a feud, people sending each other old toys, then I consider it a feud.
1: I don't consider that a feud. I, I think that it's nice where you're, uh, you're, ni- you're sending gifts of appreciation, it sounds to me like that's what's yeah. going on. Um, and 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 you both have an appreciation for collecting, uh you know. Like, I I met him this summer or last summer, here in Toronto at SummerSlam. Even the shirt he was wearing was the collector's version of like a vintage SummerSlam from like twenty years ago, and it was yeah, just every, like
0: everything is a thing.
1: Yeah, it was. Yeah. It's like, how many gimmicks does one person need to get over? You know, he's got the glasses. He's got the one leg. He doesn't have the one-legged tights anymore. Those always bothered me. Um, I but,
0: love the. I love them. You I love them. Look. I mean, they're hard to put on, right?
1: I would imagine and, so.
0: And then think of the money you're saving, tanning wise, shaving wise.
1: You know, you only
0: got you only got to do the one leg. How do you cut
1: your budget in half? There, you have one leg that's tanned, and then the rest of your body, and like the one leg is so your whole body's tanned except for your torso, and you were one leg. Yeah, it's
0: like it's like how Dusty Rhodes had the bionic elbow. You have like one unbionic leg that you just hide from everyone.
1: I know it looks so pale, and it's like, oh my god, your leg's albino. You know. Yeah, <laughs> your leg like, can't go out in the sun. Oh Jesus, that that's awesome. I never even thought about the repercussions of uh, wearing such. Now, do you think that like you know it's it, it's crazy the layoff that the WWE did uh, at the beginning of all this COVID stuff, but it's just so unfortunate of time because right now indie wrestling and comedy are like the two major things and and concerts that just we're last on the list apparently uh because yeah,
0: that should be i mean they were quite disgusting before all of this
1: yeah like you they don't want anybody yelling or screaming or laughing or eating or like any sort of mouth movement so you know i don't understand like maybe okay okay maybe you can come back to indie wrestling if you're doing it with the plexiglass hockey look that the wwe's running uh, right. I don't know, but I would like to see if that is the case and be a little more rabid behind the glass and be like a hockey fan. And if it spills outside, you know, bang on the windows and, and, you know, like help feed the environment. I don't know, but it just, I just create a hostile environment for the wrestlers. Like for example, you know, if you're wrestling in the Thunderdome. I don't know if you ever seen Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. Yeah, of course. They don't insult me. Well, the way the people climb on the Thunderdome on the outside during the matches and everything—it's quite—it creates quite the intimidating environment to have a match in. And I'm just saying no. they should do that on Raw. Uh, that's just a thought. But
0: yeah, we did <clears throat> some arena shows. Uh, Ring of Honor did a bunch of arenas here, and that that Ted Reeve's arena we did with House of Hardcore has already backed that glass up and of course there there were floor seats but then behind that on the i guess leecher seats people were sitting behind the glass and it was never a bad feel you just had to have a building but to me the most disgusting part of course is the actual wrestling oh yeah um, so we'll have to around that too i think that's that's probably a decent issue yeah
1: you know? because I would think-
0: if, if, if my opponent has it i'm getting it
1: Yes, and we can't all be luchadors. Not everybody right. can wear a mask. No. No. Um, yeah, because that's the thing is like you you constantly, and I think that's what they're doing probably within the WWE. You're constantly testing. Like I was in Burger King the other day picking up some food. Not because I work for Skip the Dishes. It's just because I have a horrible diet. And yeah. so I was in there, and the girl came into work, and they had this little thing where they beeped her and it's like okay you don't have a fever you can come to work so right. there so as long as you don't have a fever you don't you know that's like okay we know you're healthy so i but i thought it was the covid 19 i'm like is that what it is now it's just a little fucking gun scan where they beep okay you're good to go you know um but anyway they're good to go to work i would think it's similar to going to work at wwe that they're tested pretty much every couple of days or at least every week to know what's going on, and, you know, they're trying to keep it as safe as possible, so...
0: Right. <clears throat> because then again, uh, what profession doesn't have overheated bodies like professional wrestling?
1: Yeah, exactly. Like... You know,
0: I mean, if you look at the things in the 80s, if you watch, you know, summertime 80 it looks like everyone's running 102-degree fever. They're all red and sweaty and bloated.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it totally... And it's just like... Yeah, it's just like you can't... I can't even imagine... You know, it's just like I can't imagine a match spilling out into the audience. The 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 fear of the fans just being it's one thing to, you know, back in the day to embrace it. But now it's just like, oh, my God, we don't even know who these people have been in touch with the last week, you know. Right. And uh, I don't know when it's going to come back, but it's like it's you know, it's, it's unfortunate because there would be so many good guys out there hitting the indies right now. Um, you could be having some amazing matches. That's the way I look well, at. it.
0: Yeah, that's certainly true. But that's why I'm thinking. You know what? Maybe we can do a coffee house tour where I just go. Everything's distance. There's maybe 12 people in there, and I just do readings of good matches I was going to have.
1: Um, who were you supposed to wrestle at WrestleMania weekend? Because you, you, wrestle, you must have had. Uh, you must have matches Effie. planned. So uh, okay. Yeah. Effie from at, NWA. Uh, no, he's no. not, but you're thinking of Ricky Stark. Okay, no, but I'm thinking of is Effie a gay wrestler from Los Angeles? Uh, from Texas. Tem Texas. Okay, I've seen him wrestle yeah. in Los Angeles on a Joey Ryan show. So yeah. yes.
0: And we were supposed to Tango at Joey Ryan's famed penis party.
1: Yes, which is really
0: exciting. We we're looking forward to it. did the promos and all that business. I was and, I was and, actually and, supposed to
1: be there as well, which is oh,
0: uh, that the right. so I decided to, and it's 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 up on up uh, online. And I read the script for the match, so fans the taste. I said, well, you know, this is what we were going to do, and it was a nice live reading, and people enjoyed it. So maybe I'll just do that again. Maybe it's a little coffee house tour where I just you know get in front of the mic, cough a couple times, and go uh, lock up. And then you hear some miles of applause. It's an experiment. We have to start thinking differently about how we can present wrestling.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, yeah, yeah, totally. Like the, the way they're doing it, even with the WWE, the way they're doing the filming, um, they're filming matches. Like, yeah. Uh, Velveteen Dream and Adam Cole just had one the other night during NXT. And my yeah. roommate was bothered by it because he wanted to see a real match, but they filmed it. But I kind of like when they film the matches, like, you know, that Undertaker match at, at uh, WrestleMania, it was like watching an episode of Roadhouse and WrestleMania. I really enjoyed it, you know. Um, I, so I, anytime they can get creative like that, I applaud that. But, um, you know, matches without people are kind of tough to watch. But I don't know. I think AEW has been doing a good job of what they've been doing lately. So, um, this- yeah,
0: it has to always feel. You know, I think feeling live fun is the most important. But obviously, you know, without the fans, you realize that the fans are really part of the show. I always say like wrestling is theater, except the fourth wall includes the audience. The audience is inside. The- you know, they're playing along. And it's like, you know, how sad would Pioneer Village be if, if no one was actually going there? And there's just a bunch of people, you know, churning butter and hitting things onto anvils, the and then nobody even watching. Them.
1: It's just an Amish neighborhood.
0: Yeah. Well, fair enough. How sad are they?
1: I don't know. I, I would imagine they're pretty happy, but. Um...
0: I guess so. Yes, they very neatly and mildly, and that seems to be delightful for me.
1: Just, you know, they, they raise barns, not issues. That's, uh, yeah. that's, that, uh, that's, an, that's an actually very popular selling Amish t shirt. Uh, we raise barns, not issues. And, yeah. uh, do the
0: Amish have a store on pro wrestling? Tees? No,
1: they don't. That's why uh, you have to go wrestling. to Amish land and buy the t shirts. Right. Yeah. 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 They
0: do it all in
1: house. All in house. All in house. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, where, uh, so now, um, what so? How do you keep busy? How are you keeping busy during this quarantine time? I know you're you're all over Twitter and YouTube, and you do have your your coffee show. Uh, but uh, what else are you doing to keep the name R.J. City out there, uh, so people know um, that there is still a city uh, of R.J. There is a city, and it will open,
0: of course, when the government says it can. Um, in the meantime, I'm doing a lot of, of YouTube business. I'm going live Wednesday nights now. I have a cigar and a little martini made of water. Called And then the, sh- the show is called City After Dark on YouTube. And I talk with fun people. And I got this whole little YouTube business now because I'm making use of it. You know, it was doing well with the coffee and underwear. Yes. So I decided, let's let's go from there. And I'm doing a bunch of things. And then Fridays I do a little show called The Good, the Bad, and the Unknown where every episode is a different older actor that's usually dead. Um, and I talk about their career, and it's fun, and it's bringing out a lot of weird people. Uh, last week, what did I talk about last week? Believe well, You know, Paul Lynn, Sir out. I think this week is Rue McClanahan. So I'm playing the hit. If yes. you want to hear about, you know, the deep cuts of Rue McClanahan, I am the professional wrestler for you.
1: Well, I always um, liked... You know, I always liked it that uh, she was also a part of Maude, as well as the Golden Girls.
0: Yeah, and she had great rapport with B, and B suggested her. Yeah, the Golden Girls saying like oh, this: if we, "If we want to talk about people I'm friends with, I am very good friends with this person. I think we would get along well," and they did quite willingly.
1: When I used to get home from school, from early from school, uh, Maude would be on. And before different strokes, and I would get home, like yeah. different strokes at four o'clock. 3:30 was mod. So, some, so I would always get there for like the last 10, 15 minutes of mod. And, uh, so I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed tight turtlenecks and big boobs. And that's kind oh, of yeah. what Maud's daughter, uh, wore all the time. And,
0: yeah, uh, quite a fitting inch over
1: <laughs> And, uh, and Arthur I always found our Ma, Maud's husband a, a kick he was always funny so
0: oh yeah the wonderful uh, William Bill Macy is his real name yeah he is uh, fantastic
1: in that show yeah so um, I often and so that's uh, so that's the you know that's that so I always knew who B Arthur was because of Maud and then of course because I knew her as also a bartender. In the cantina on Moss Isley from the Star Wars nineteen seventy eight special, Star Wars special. Uh, yeah, and
0: do you remember the name of her character?
1: No, I don't remember the name of her character. I just thought she was B. Arthur, a bartending in Moss Eisley. Did what well, was her name? She
0: kind of is, but the name of the character
1: was Achmina. Achmina?
0: Yeah. Wonderful <laughs> classic alien name, Achmina.
1: It sounds it sounds like this close to Aquafina, you know, yeah, which is which well, is actually right, a name now.
0: So prescient, yeah. yeah,
1: that's great. And it's just like, and it's just uh, so funny, like the way she turns around, and then all of a sudden it's B. Arthur. I guess they show the scoundrels first and the characters, and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, it's just, and I think
0: it's safe to say no one was anticipating B. Arthur to pop up in this special.
1: No, not at all. Not the yeah. two memorable things from the special are the Boba Fett cartoon and B. Arthur at the Cantina Deli. I mean, at the Cantina. Yeah. Um, it's it's just so odd, but uh, but at the same time, it seems so right. Um, now, uh, this is pretty funny. One time, my friend, uh, she uh, we used to hang out a lot like that, and I and anyways, one time. She told me this story where she was feeling depressed and she broke up with her boyfriend. they had been broke up for a while, and she was working at a restaurant and she was drinking at the restaurant afterwards, like the way staffs do. And then she ended up uh, going home with the bus boy, who was much younger than her, and was, like maybe eighteen, and she was like in her twenty, maybe twenty-six. And uh, and she said uh, to me, "She's like, does do you think that makes me easy?" And I was like, "No, I don't think so at all." I just think, uh, you know, when I compare you to all four girls in Sex and the City, it just makes you Samantha. And she said to me, I don't want to be Samantha, whatever becomes of Samantha. And I'm, and I'm like, my guess is she becomes Blanche. Which is great.
0: Yes. Who doesn't want to be
1: Blanche is my question. Exactly. If you compare the Sex and the City girls to the Golden Girls... Yeah. Samantha is definitely Blanche. Yeah. Like, they both would seem like the type of person that spent a lot of time at Shady Pines, if you know what I'm talking about.
0: My favorite thing about the Golden Girls is that you look back in and now, and just in your head, you assume that, like, they were, you know, like, 80 years old. But you look back and they were, like, 50. Yes. And they were not really that old at all.
1: No, not at all. Not at all. Not at all. But that's why... But the idea of the being old uh, is what I think makes a lot of the sex jokes work. Uh, Right. You know, and maybe this was a little bit inspired by Cocoon at one point. Maybe it's like, hey, look at everybody loves these seniors. Why don't we put a show of seniors on? So I don't know. I don't know what the logic was behind it, but it definitely worked. And it launched a lot of careers, including – the guy who would eventually bring us Arrested Development, so which is like one yes. of my favorite shows,
0: and George Clooney, lest we forget, oh, he yes. was also on the show. Well, yeah, a lot of uh, bizarre characters, Leslie Nielsen.
1: He was George Clooney was also on Facts of Life as well. Um, he was on the last season of that, I believe, where they didn't even they did they weren't even in school; they were just running a trendy little 80s shop called Over Our Heads, and. Yeah. Uh, he was the fix-it guy, so, and then yeah. he left that and went to Roseanne and became uh, Jackie's abuser, uh, in that yeah. and like he had a hard TV career before making it to ER, but you know he did,
0: and it it was quite a transition. Otherwise, he would have been like a modern-day Tom Poston or someone who just always shows up at yeah. these sitcoms playing the same character. Well,
1: you know, we're thinking. I was thinking about this today because you posted. Uh, about taking down all the statues down south, but don't touch this one, and it's Barney Fife uh, from Mayberry. And now, um, now, now I, I Barney Fife would later go become uh, Ralph Furley, uh, who is legendary. And the thing about it is, like, okay, Norman Fell, who was a journeyman actor. I'm sure you knew this, definitely know this. Boy. He was on. He was on many shows, just one of those guys that's on a show one week and then on a show another week, and he was just one of those guys that was filling spots in shows and making a good career of it. But when he got through his company, that was his first number one show, and he did not want to leave it. Like, when they said, we're spinning off the Ropers, he was like, I don't want to go. I don't want to leave. And, you know, nowhere, it's just... You know, so the idea was they told him if the Ropers doesn't work, he can come back. They can come right. back. But the fact is they hired Don Knotts. Like, you can't – That's like such a – like, Don Knotts is such a huge step up from the Ropers, like both of them. Because yeah. he's a star. Like, he's part of the Apple Dumpling Gang. He's a movie star. He's a fide TV star. He's fucking Don Knotts. And yeah. – Apparently, he was very much like the Ralph Furley character that he played because it's always been reported that he was the biggest womanizer on the set.
0: Yeah, quite a, quite a, a Casanova, if you will.
1: I love that. I love the fact that you know, like he's out larrying, larry, and this to me just entertains the hell out of me. Watching Don Knotts just pick up a woman, I bet you it would be one of the most entertaining things ever. But I posted on your page, uh, I was in Venice Beach. I wasn't hanging and banging with Hulkster. I was just smoking weed on the on the beach watching the sunset. But I went to this tortilla place or a, a taco place, and they had a picture that said, man up. And it was just a picture of Barney Fife in his uniform. And Aww. so I put that on your uh, Twitter feed, I think, today. Oh, thank you. Because uh, everybody, you know, because I was like, somebody did this and then i was like well this is perfect because it just says man up but when you click on it it's a poster of barney fife and uh yeah so anyways i just wanted i just it's just shit luck for norman fell that you got replaced by barney fife who eventually became ralph furley who is just legendary in that role so you know uh, it is too bad, and the Ropers only lasted one season, and we're done, and Jeffrey Tambor's like, oh, I guess I got to go back to guest spots too now. So, right, you know, it's amazing uh, who, who uh, you know, who hits it and who doesn't hit it. It's just like that in wrestling, I guess, too. But, yeah, you know, uh, when you see a young wrestler under, or, like, when you see wrestlers, like, uh, when you see Mick Foley doing his cameo appearance against the British Bulldogs, yeah. yeah, as a you know, as a as a local, uh, you know you don't see Cactus Jack, you see Mick Foley really get the fucking shit kicked out of him. But um, right. you know, uh, now let's say something ha- has. Have you ever been in contact with the WWE? Like I know they must know who you are because I know people uh, yeah, lift your yeah, stuff yeah, all yeah. the time. No, like
0: they they, they do. Um, yeah, we've talked to it's people have talked about things but of course you know uh, quite famously now i'm asking in any contract i sign that you need to have a cob salad for me and if you can't pony up the cob if you can't get the right ingredients together then i'm not interested and that's that's hardball. that's cobball, ball you know so the real question is is not are they interested would i be a good fit and i'm you know i think i I'm, I'm adaptable anywhere i can bring my brand of idiocy there, AEW, Ring of Honor, and their uh, The question is, will they get a good Cobb together? And I think that's what the Dirt Sheets should be talking about. That's what a guy named, like Meltzer
1: should be discussing.
0: And an analyst like you, you should say, what, what promotion could make the best salad for RJ?
1: Well, well, not only for RJ, just for the better of a roster. Who does not want a good Cobb salad? Right. You know, Very hardy.
0: Meal. I don't have a
1: hot salad and then a sandwich. The sandwich is very much in the salad. Yes. So so that's so that's basically it. If the WWE can come up with a good storyline, because I, I see you fitting into so many different categories that the WWE could use you in. They could use you in an in-ring performance, in an out-of-the-ring performance, in a behind-the-scenes performance. They, they're just like, I think... You know, you're great at, at so many aspects of the business that you're, you would be valuable to working any of them, any of those spots in the WWE, whether it be a comedy role or a serious uh, role in 205 or maybe a managing role. Uh, you know, like they remember when they brought Johnny Polo in and they made him as a manager. Like I see you doing way better than Johnny Polo, you know? Well, thank you. Also, oh, oh,
0: we, to be fair, I I did definitely enjoy Johnny Polo, and then he ended up being basically replacing Bobby Heenan, yes, and, and working with Gorilla a bit. It was an inch, he was a guy, and it is weird to think that Johnny Polo was Raven.
1: That's the know? weird thing about it. Yes,
0: so maybe that there, maybe there's a darker character within me.
1: Oh, I totally could see that too. I you totally know, maybe
0: I need to goth it up a little.
1: Well, goth it up would be the best way I could do it. I could think about it because I could see you being a character from Batman. I could see you. So Gotham was a good word, goth. But, you know, I could see you being not a character from Batman, but like a character from Batman. You know, yeah. I could see you being a version of the Joker or a version of uh, what's her name? The uh, the character that that every girl wants to be. Uh, Lola
0: Lasagna, played by <laughs> Ethel Merman. That's that who you must be referring to. No,
1: the one that looks like Liv Morgan and Alexa Bliss, that girl.
0: Uh, Eartha Kitt.
1: No, <laughs> she is in Batman, though. Yes, you're right. She is Batwoman. No, but I'm like I'm talking about. Oh, what's that character's name in the Suicide the one Squad? Played by Jar-Jar the
0: Boar. No, she's being played played by. Uh, it was- Grandma B? What
1: was her name? Who? Grandma oh. B? Uh, Grandma B. I gotta... I gotta
0: let me put this doesn't
1: bother me. Batman <laughs> Grandma B? Oh, jeepers. I can't not remember this woman, this character's name, but you could play a male version of her, is what I'm trying to say. Or you could... You could do anything, is basically what I'm saying. Um, you know? Uh, you could go... You know, work one of those. Ma
0: Parker. Ma Parker was the name of the character. She was played by Shelly Winter. Played by who? Shelly Winter. She was like an evil grandma. She, she would sick you, be a sweet kind of grandma character, and then she would sick her boys on that.
1: Oh, well, that would be a great character right there.
0: Yeah. I yeah. think that's, that's maybe where I'm headed.
1: It seems to me like that would, yeah, because, like, you know, remember. Jim Cornette's character was like a spoiled little rich boy, and his mama was always mentioned in yeah. everything because that's where the money came from from his mama, you know.
0: Yeah, uh, and I, be- I believe that was a shoot too, by the way.
1: It probably was, but yeah, you know, he like the 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 people would love to chant like "Mama's little Mama's boy" and stuff like that because he was they thought he was spoiled. Like, oh look at he he takes tennis lessons because he's a fucking Mama's boy, you know. Yeah. And 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 then that's Which
0: always makes me wonder why wasn't Andre Agassi the biggest heel in the business? Why he never he never made the crossover.
1: Well considering
0: how much people hated tennis.
1: I well I know, I know. And it's just like and you know what? He would have got way more heat if it was badminton. I'll say that yeah. right now. Absolutely. Because tennis are for athletes, but badminton is for you know is for um you know, is for, I don't know, smart people. Uh, I'm just trying to think of a, a really good way to say it. Clearly, I'm not writing promos anytime soon. Um, but, but you know, the, the badminton is for the intelligent people, the less aggressive people, you know, the the right. non troggleites or, or, or something like that. So um, now, uh, now with that said, we've already, oh, my God, like we've already talked ourselves uh through a whole episode, pretty much. Um, we have
0: become our own wormhole.
1: We are, and I don't mind wormholes. That's what YouTube is best for. And I watch a, like, oh, like I said, I've been watching a lot of AWA on YouTube. I've been watching a lot of a lot of shoot interviews. Um, I want to. I, I enjoy what culture, um, but I don't know what happened to them. They used to have a wrestling organization, but that disappeared. But anyway. Yeah. Um. yeah, so I enjoy I'm enjoying just staying at home during the quarantine and catching up in a lot of wrestling that I haven't watched in a long time uh, what do you have planned for the future uh, well, for the dist- the upcoming future, and then what do you hope for the distant future
0: well I mean, I would like to continue doing this in various forms both, you know, the YouTube stuff has grown quite exponentially, so I'll probably keep doing it Uh, As as wrestling returns, I'll be my own little guest. That'll be really the first truly publicly. That is my goal. And if, you know, if Vince or Lagana or Cody or Marty Scroll, if they don't want to whip up the comedy, they're missing out on an excellent salad because I I am the new PBS. And years from now, they'll put out my best of DVD alongside Victor Borgo.
1: And that's, I think, truly the dream. And I think uh, for 19.99 plus, you probably get an RJ City T-shirt, maybe one of your classics. You know, what are you? What are you? uh, What are you, buddy? A piece of shit or something? Maybe one one of of the greatest
0: catchphrases of the world. It's obviously an impression on you.
1: Oh, of course, it's a catchphrase that that always keeps on giving, and it's fantastic. So you know you would probably get you would get the vc you get the vhs version maybe yeah. the dvd version and then probably a t-shirt thrown in as one package and if you call today we'll send that out to you and maybe you get a puzzle of uh, you and david together uh, that would be
0: great and you know RJ, I our are standing by
1: Of course they are yeah so, they I'm, but- I guarantee you there is one person st- well th- we all have our phones on us. So operators are always standing by. So standing by. that's the way it works. Oh, this yeah. is so great. So, folks, ch- keep watching PBS, make those calls, request RJ City, and uh, help make this possible. Let's get David Arquette and RJ City on a Sunday morning telethon on PBS. It, you know, like I, nothing is going on right now. So, except no. for PBS. There's maybe five people in Watertown running that whole thing, you yeah. know. It doesn't take a brainiac. All it takes is one Stephen Keaton to run a PBS place. That's what yeah. I've known from Family Ties. So, yeah. Anyways, with that said, where can we find you online, and uh, and where can the fans uh, get their dose of RJ City when they want to see it?
0: Uh, well, you can find me uh, Wednesday night at ten p.m. and Sunday mornings at 9.30 a.m. live on YouTube.com slash RJ City Love You, because if the public is funding me, I must love them. And then you can, you know, otherwise Google me and you'll see my Twitter and my Instagram and weirdness uh, and a lot of hot takes on shows that were canceled 20 years ago. And if that moves you, you can follow me. And if it doesn't move you, I'm not going to hold it against you. I think I'm a fair but balanced person.
1: Well, that's fantastic. So if you want to know, but if you want to know if there's a file on the Rockford Files, RJ's probably the one to talk to. Folks, thank you for joining us today, letting us put a headlocker in your ears. RJ, thank you for calling in and giving the talking Wrestling fans the 411 on what's going on in the metropolis of RJ. Uh, We appreciate talking to you anytime we can. And uh, stay safe, stay home, stay hungry, and uh, yeah. Thank you again for coming on the show. Peace. Thank awesome. you,
0: and I hope I hope I can see you on Comedy Club Fifty Four.
1: Well, I hope so too, Cheapers, and and if we can see Comedy Club Fifty Four one more time or ten more times, uh, I'm sure I would be very happy to see it as well. So, awesome, wonderful. Thanks again for coming on the show, RJ, and we'll talk to you soon. Have a great one.
0: Thank you. God bless.
1: All right. Bye now.